0: hey welcome everyone to today in the scene i'm your host joe and here on in the scene we dive into what's happening in the arcade space from new indie arcade developers arcade owners and operators and just news in the space in general now just a couple quick things we've got the new indie arcade wave and galactic battleground shirts i'll throw those up on the screen as well as we have our new four player konami and four player tabletop cabinets available for sale for galactic battleground the link is down in the description i want to dive into this week's episode because i've been talking to these guys for Weeks, like weeks, to get this set up, and I'm really excited to finally talk to them because of all the arcades that I've looked into, they have such a cool aesthetic to their arcade, and it's clear how intentional it is to make this a unique space for the arcade. And I'm really excited to talk to them and kind of figure out why they did this and how they did this. So this week we're talking to Jeremy and Marcus, who are the owners of the Galactics Arcade in in Oregon. How you guys doing?
1: Great. Thanks for having us, Joe.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you guys could finally get on here. Like I said, we've been lining this up for a while. From the outside, it doesn't look like an arcade. It just looks like another building. And then you get inside and you're like in this spaceship, which is super cool. So let's let's introduce you guys first. Uh, who's Jeremy? Who's Marcus? Let us know who you guys are and um, when you first started playing arcade games. Uh, I'm
1: Marcus. And uh, I... Have been playing arcade games uh, since I was a little kid. I think that my first uh, experience was probably playing like in a pizza parlor on a cocktail table, playing like Miss Pac Man, something like that. Um, and I just remember that being such a vivid experience having a CRT be right in my face with some pizza and some soda. And then, of course, um, many other arcades throughout my childhood. So I was fortunate enough to be in a area where we had those you know um even though they were kind of everywhere I guess in the 80s but um so yeah that was my first memory is that is that right yeah 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 I like it
2: Jeremy? Uh, yeah for me gosh you know early 80s like I I remember a, um, a family friend getting one of the first Atari consoles I played original palm
1: oh yeah me too yeah which is definitely. crazy you know
2: yeah. um and then uh, our small town in the middle of nowhere had an arcade and they you know it was nothing special but they did a pretty good job about bringing in games so you know i remember uh cover command original oh, dragon's yeah, yeah. lair mm-hmm. afterburner those were all things that occupied my time i always i didn't have a lot of money i would always go there with a friend of mine and he always came loaded with quarters and he I would just wait for him to basically have pity on me and so that's how I started playing games with the pity of my friend and then of course in middle school um original NES you know oh yeah yeah my friends had original NES again I did not but spend a lot of time at a friend's house and before you know it you you've wasted two hours playing contra so it's a blast
0: yes yeah, I mean, I, I like that, the the idea of, like, going with your friends. I mean, really, like, when it comes to arcades and gaming and stuff, it's best, it's a shared experience. It's always better when you share it with somebody else. So having a friend there, like, through the whole history of it is, I think, a, a really good way to do it. Let's, let's talk about the arcade. I'm always curious. Um, I've talked to a lot of arcade owners at this point. I'm always curious as to how it starts. So how did the Galactics Arcade, like, how did you go from idea and concept to it actually being a physical place to go and visit? Um, well, so I, uh, I've always, like I was saying, I've always been into
1: video games, you know, so it started out. I was, Oh, I've always collected console games. Jeremy yeah. hit on some really classic, you know, retro console games. Um, but what happened was I started to slip into arcade games in like 2003. And the first one I got was a, um, it was actually space invaders. The, the, cocktail table and it just was a slippery slope because then then I had my next my first pinball game like a year or two later which was Ninja Turtles the data East and you know when you start having those games sort of around they break and then you have to fix them and sometimes I'd have to hire somebody and I'd watch and then um, I also always kind of worked on like computers and soldering and things like that and so I I'm not i wasn't an expert but the more i had them around the more um, i enjoyed collecting i mean i'd find great deals of course back then like you could buy tons of um games for super cheap like pinball games were ridiculous um and you could get really great deals so i bought quite a few back then and that's a lot of where my paychecks were going and then uh when i i had a house with a big garage and i just started filling it up and i really just made my own arcade and then um, I actually started a YouTube channel, and that was like I don't know, 2015, something like that. And that's retro game players, and I started that. And I my intention was to make gameplay, like reviews, but also do arcade stuff. So um, there was a point where my wife and I moved from Portland out here to Astoria, and it became really clear that we that I wanted that we wanted to do some kind of arcade bar of some kind and it was loose it was a loose thought process but we had a space that we could work with and we were fortunate enough to have a space that we could work with it was really like in fact on my channel i had videos of it It was literally uh like you know terribly um like dirt and i mean it wasn't dirt floors but it was rubble and just kind of slowly started to work toward it and um jeremy and i met here I don't know what year that was but maybe 2017 or 18 yeah something like that and he is into hard cider so he actually is a um I always ruin the craft craft cider person it's not a brewery right I mean you don't brew cider it's a cider ferment cider yeah I own a cider here in Astoria there you go and so I'm a massive fan of hard cider always have been even before where they were popular where I'd go to a bar in Portland and say what kind of cider do you have? And people just look at me like I'm insane. And my friends would always be like, you know, what kind of cider you have? You know, Marcus is always asking that weird question. But anyway, um, so, you know, I connected, started to talk to him. And as we uh, became friends, we started to realize, hey, we might have something that's aligning here, you know? So that was like the early thought process, I think, for me.
2: Yeah. No, that certainly aligns, yeah. I mean, I was lucky, you know, to uh to meet Marcus at the cidery and you know again he had uh he and his wife are they have this building here in town that they've been remodeling and restoring um it's a it's a classic uh, building in the original downtown core of Astoria of course people know Astoria if you know the Goonies or kindergarten cop you know Astoria short circuit Oh yeah, very popular films and and the historic core is predominantly was rebuilt after a major fire. So a lot of it's like post-1922 and they've been uh, historically remodeling and and refurbishing this building. And he brought me down to the basement. He's like, yeah, let's do something down here. And it was like, wow, really? What the hell are we going to do down here? But you could see the potential and... um, and then the conversations just started flowing. I think we we like set up a, I don't know. We started like a mood board. Basically yeah. Like ideas and looking at things that, just mm-hmm. getting an idea of things that resonated for us. And
1: some things were pretty strategic early on too. Like I remember, um, so I, I do theater. I'm into theater, but he's a longtime theater guy. Like, um, so. Yes, yeah, we
2: owned a theater. My wife and I owned, you, owned a, a theater in Portland. Yeah yeah and a lot of my work has been in you know again, design lighting lighting and sound design for live performance so that and it resonated so much. mark is like ah god yeah well
1: it was funny because i was thinking like what we're going to do is we're going to paint the walls neon green neon blue you know and he's like no (laughs) you idiot no all black paint it all black and use lighting to control the mood and the look and the aesthetic. And so that was, that was a start, I'd say. to at least oh. pinpoint like a look and a feel.
2: Oh, absolutely. And then I think the thing that really opened things up is Marcus introduced me formally, even though I kind of knew of it, I didn't really know of it, of Vaporwave um, as an aesthetic and the notion of the vaporwave aesthetic as it fit into this kind of dark you know I retro can sometimes be a dirty word but here it's it's really not it's like there's that very specific aesthetic that you know what it is when you feel it it's very vaporwave it's a little bit dark it's a little bit on the edge it's a little bit electronic a little bit familiar but very much foreign and if you listen to vaporwave music, you know, that's a pretty, common, uh, a pretty common mode of vaporwave music producers is to take things that are familiar and to make them unfamiliar. And that really resonated like, yeah, this place needs to, needs to feel like you are going somewhere that it just, you know, it's almost uncanny valley, right? This doesn't feel quite right, but it feels really right. And so we just kept sort of exploring what that looked like. And I think that was really key to finding our way was pushing to the side, the functional elements of an arcade, right? Because at the end of the day, okay, I'm an arcade. I've got games. I've got business hours and somebody to sell you drinks or whatever, you know, somebody competent who can run the place. That's your functional stuff to drop in the pot it's all the non-functional stuff though that makes it elevates it and that's where I think we spent a lot of time up front like a huge amount of time like Uh uh-huh and then
1: yeah I mean like our garbage cans even are a throwback to some sort of sci-fi reference right so like I think we yeah the details are really what we try to nail
2: absolutely because at the end of the day that's the kind of stuff that that matters that's the stuff that sticks in your brain and when you think of great experiences growing up, whether it was with, the, you know, they're arcade related or not, it's often a, a little detail that sort of mm-hmm. captures you. So um, that was like when we were really like steeped in this ideation process in like 2019 and then uh, COVID hit mm-hmm. March 2020, shut everything down. We had to shut the cidery down. And we were
1: planning on opening almost right before then. And mm-hmm. then in a way it was good because it delayed it. And so we were able to even just keep refining, mm-hmm. but yeah.
2: And that, know. oh boy, talk about throwing, a, um, you know, a, a spanner in the spokes because it really changed like our design, everything, mm-hmm. like, as we started thinking out, we had to project out, like, how long do we think this is going to last? And what are going to be the lasting implications? Like, do we have to think of uh, like one of our early designs? I loved it. It was kind of cool, right? Oh, little, yeah. It had the little, like, bank teller portals. Like a
1: bulletproof window behind the bar, almost, with, like, the bank, you know. So you could, like, you know, communicate, like... Have it be amplified. We were thinking of
2: all sorts of potential avenues that it may go, um, but we knew there'd be an end. We knew there'd be an end, and Mm -hmm. we needed to be ready for it and what that would look like. But it also gave, like you said, it gave us a lot of time. Like, we were thinking of, um, you know, early on, do we do Coinmex?
1: Oh, yeah. Or... To right we go digital mm-hmm.
2: and so we had a lot we were able to vet those potential solutions yep. really think them through and then finally make a decision to to go cashless that mm-hmm. i think i mean I'm, I'm pretty happy with um but i think time really what was originally uh something that really sucked it proved to to benefit us so then we just kept going and when did we actually end up opening um, january 21
0: yeah
1: Never. um
0: yeah yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. It, it sounds like you guys had a, a good connection from the beginning. You kind of had similar interests, similar ideas for the arcade. More time to, like, really refine everything. Um, and you mentioned on, um, like, aesthetic, lighting, all that stuff. Why is it so important to you guys? Like, it, it it obviously, like, looking at your social media videos, like, it is very clear that all of your aesthetic decisions were incredibly intentional. Why is the aesthetic and the experience of the arcade so important to you? It, it seems like it's, like almost number one on the list
1: I think it is pretty it is a number one um, because I think that uh, in some ways we want to transport our guests you know the patrons when they come here make them feel like they're leaving behind their their world you know literally and that's in some ways the feeling that you get when you play a good video game you know you escape from your reality you can dive in You know and of course that changes depending on what kind of game you're playing but or even a good movie you know or any sort of experience which i think you touched on but i think that having someone come through the door and watch their face um or the way that they react and they they're transported a little bit and
2: uh yep that is it and you know that i mean really it's everything i think if you're a potential arcade owner you need to sort of rid yourself of the idea that you are in the amusement business. You're in the human experience business. And there's a reason that humans seek certain things. Um, And Marcus hit on it right there. Like video games are an escape, right? They let you command another world, another place. Some, you know, they give you this sense of control or potential control that you might not feel in your real life when things are kind of crushing you. Um, You know, you spend money on a great craft beverage. That is a it's an experience. And yes, it even has a chemical experience to help you kind of escape a little bit. Everything's about kind of trying something else on. And so we approach it as an experience business. And like we were talking about earlier um, about the fact that I'm, I'm really motivated by Tomorrowland at Disneyland, In Anaheim, because the Imagineers do a lot right. I mean, people criticize Disney all day long, and it's great, but they do a lot right. And they realized very early on before anybody that they were in the experience business. People don't, people can ride a roller coaster anywhere, but you can only go on Space Mountain in very particular places. And Space Mountain is so much more than a roller coaster. You know, the queue sets you up. It creates a certain level of anticipation. You aspire to something more when you're in the queue and you feel like you're a part of something. And that's what we wanted to bring in our own special little way out here on the upper left edge of Oregon is that, (laughs) you know, that's why you go, you read our social media. We speak with a, a particular language. We refer to our guests as passengers on the Galactics. This is our Astoria port. It's all about creating this notion that that you're going somewhere, you know, we're, we're docked. You can come in. This is how we do things. When people review us online uh, on Google, we immediately respond and we respond in our voice because, again, it's just extending the experience because we, we believe that. Like, I believe that so much. Like, it's, it's why I want to go back to places that do that because otherwise it's a commodity, it's the stuff that's already in the bucket games, snacks okay anybody can do that anybody can do that so what how are you going to pull somebody out of their house or from doing any of the myriad of other things that they could be doing with their time you need to give them an experience and respect the fact that they're looking for that just like i am so
0: yeah i think that's really well put it it's it's so true i've been to a lot of arcades um and there's a few that always stick in my mind just because of the aesthetic of the arcade, like the attention to detail that they brought in, like a glitch bar standing out to me in in South Florida. They have like above their bar, they have all of these old taps. Like they have a bunch of old taps that are just screwed into the ceiling and they have action figures from the eighties and nineties above it, like in this steel beam, like structural beam, something that would usually just be wasted space. They were like, how can we make this more unique, more retro? And they've got like old skateboards all over the wall. So they have their own like kind of, punky grunge kind of vibe to their their setup and i think it's really cool um and it's very important as an aesthetic you, like, like you said like anybody can set up an arcade with games and snacks it's what do you do that makes you different from all the other ones and i think that's what's cool about like the indie games that are coming out too i'm curious as to what you guys think about indie games like it, it's kind of recycling an old energy of like the retro arcade but with this new modern twist what are your guys's views on indie games
1: uh well so I'm a massive indie game supporter I'm I mean and, and I say this not just for arcade uh the arcade platform but really like PS4 switch Genesis NES I've um that's one of the things that I would do on my channel is really talk about indie game releases and so I'm a massive supporter of anyone who's out there coming up with new games for new platforms um and I mean, I I just now, this is actually the first time I've talked about it on any sort of public platform, but I've just come up with a, uh, it's a music video album that is uh, only playable on Dreamcast. And it's just using like a Mill CD format. So um, I'm going to be selling those at PRGE coming up, um, which is cool. But I love seeing the old systems sort of get new life, whether, I mean, I love it when it's like a Genesis, I'm a huge Sega fan. So that's part of, why I think Dreamcast was my choice but and then arcade game wise um absolutely so we we do have a Death Stalker here the Spectre Files which um I was able to pick up from Doc pretty early on and that is such a fun game but also people just love to play it like I mean like and talk about it you oh, know yeah. and and yeah um and then you know we have some other I mean as far as like other things that we have here, we do have a Polybius machine, which was a game that was sort of shadow created by a developer, and um, it took quite a bit of tweaking, but we were able to get it into an arcade cabinet. People have done that, of course, but this is one here, which I think specifically plays into a sort of lore that's specific to the Northwest, uh, being you know we're close to Portland, and it's it's definitely one of those games that where the more someone plays, the more they trip out. Um, if you're familiar with it or not. But the recreation is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, so I'm also... um, I've always enjoyed seeing when there's, like, a full-fledged indie game. Like, uh, what is the one... I'm blanking on it, but it's on your background, Joe. It's the... uh, I'm, like, totally... It's, like, eight-player game.
0: You thinking Killer Queen, the ten-player game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. ten-player,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, I remember... You know playing that early on and just being blown away with the game mechanics and so it's in to me it's like i love it i love chiptune music i love all of that that's like yeah jeremy what do you think
2: no i think it's a an absolute must-have like the fans need to support it i think that smaller business owners certainly support it it's like any industry right like i i'll to, to paint an analog to craft beverage manufacturing, right? It's like, yeah, people love the idea of scale. Oh my gosh, Anheuser-Busch InBev, largest beverage manufacturer in the world, owning, you know, how many hundreds of labels. And that's great, but we all like the scrappy craft beverage maker who is fighting hard to get their creation out there. And oftentimes it's, you know, dramatically better. It's inspired by, um, and it may even, sort of reflect back. And so it's great when industries do that, you know, think about the fact that I mean, uh, Tesla, I mean,
1: thinking about how you can play a video game on their little TV. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm
2: thinking like 25 years ago, the idea <laughs> mm. of an independent manufacturer was still like, oh yeah, that's cute, you know yeah. independent manufacturers. And now we've just got so many again. So it's, it's great. It's truly, I think it's, it, it fits into um, so much of what can be great about something that's terrible, which is capitalism, right? This is one of those things that could be really great about capitalism. It's that drive that inspires people to um, bring things back. And also with, with indie indie publishers making things that are evocative of a, of a time and a place, you know, like music. Mm-hmm. I love FM 84, FM 84, great music uh, producer, writer, musician um, who writes music that is evocative of the mid eighties, right? But it's very much new. And um, I think it, it tapped into that same thing, which is like, I'm inspired by it. this is awesome. That time was great. And we're still creating new things in that vein.
0: I, I love that answer. That actually made me think back to we've had it happen a couple of times. We were showing Galactic Battleground either off at uh, in our uh, a convention. It, it also happened in an arcade when we were showing it off. And we had a guy walk up. We weren't at the cabinet and he walked up with a friend and he was like, oh, man, I remember playing this game when I was like 10. Oh, wow. And I was like, you're in your 40s. This game is three years old. So yeah. I'm I'm really happy that you actually think this game existed back then and that it, it elicits that experience and that that nostalgia from you. But it's brand new. But I, I'm honored. That's a big compliment to us because that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to bring back that old energy with with a modern twist. Yeah. And, you know, some people are hitting it and I, I'm really I really love to hear it. I want to hear a little bit more from Jeremy about the the beer selection. You said that you've got a lot of ciders. Ciders are kind of like your main focus or at least like half of your taps. Mm-hmm. Um, let's hear a little bit more about that and, and why you brought that in oh, real yeah. quick. Yeah. You just being on the indie thing, this isn't a cider
1: indie podcast, clearly. But Jeremy is a master cider maker. I mean, he and I say that as someone who's a fan, but truthfully, he built a brand out here, and his his skill at creating farmhouse style hard ciders is unbelievable. And he's got a uh, an actual lo- location here in town called Fortune and Glory. And I mean, he's been at it. I don't. I don't want. I don't yeah. want. But I'm just saying, as far as like an indie business and coming up and trying to up with something because like you know like when i was drinking uh hard ciders it was like you know what is it like the that little beaver what is that weird beaver woodchuck that's what it is woodchuck and like um spire and you know these like big companies you know uh um,
0: Hornsby's.
1: Hornsby's, yeah and Anyway, it's cool that um, just to hear him talk about the indie game scene a little bit, too, because it's like, I think it echoes what you've done. I mean,
2: no, that's exact. I mean, yeah, first of all, thank you. That's generous. I think it's, it's totally generous. But you're right. It's that same. It's all in the same vein. Right. It's like, you know how it is, Joe. I mean, trying to manufacture something, trying to envision something and then bring it to reality, like. That is very much evocative of a time and place, and touches those things, right? It's not just a video game. What it means so much more to people because it touches in into things that are, uh, you know, that, that are from their past. I mean, yeah, nostalgia can be a toxic impulse, but here it's not. It's inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for us, I mean, it just was serendipitous that you know I met Mark at the cidery because he and his wife we're cider fans and we talk about cider and the idea of this being a cider heavy menu was probably more Marcus's to begin with than even mine. And he's like, no, let's go in on it. So when we decided to have 24 taps, we just split it right down the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to make sure that we have 12 great beer taps and 12 great cider taps and, and really try to be that like, yeah, I, I own a cidery I make hard cider and we have a cider house. And that's where you go for our, our cider yeah you can get one of our ciders here but really this is about all celebrating northwest hard cider because there's so much fantastic cider out here that we're really trying to bring more of it in and and help create you know really build the market for that that has already been built by people who forged um who forged it before us so um and and i think marcus and i early on i mean one of the first things i remember marcus saying to me is we really need to pinpoint focus on our on who our customer is remember we talked mm-hmm. a lot about who do yeah. we want our customer to be not that we don't see all customers or or that we somehow are trying to exclude anybody but we need to say we want we want everybody to feel welcome and comfortable here um and even if you don't play games even if you don't play games yeah and you know and it, you look at everything, you look at that customer profile, it could, you know, what's their typical age range? How do they identify with, um, you know, their socioeconomic status, gender, whatever the case may be. We want to make sure to sort of hit those sweet points and make sure everybody feels like they're, they can come here and feel that it's awesome. And, um, that cider certainly factored into that and choosing to, to go deep into the cider well, but we, again, you know, we live in a great place. Like people come to Astoria, uh, because, I think in uh, the state of Oregon, we have more craft beverage manufacturers per capita than any other town. Um, even though it's a, it's a small town, I mean, just right around 10,000 people. Um, but we're a destination because we're only an hour and a half from Portland, and we're pretty close to Seattle. So um, that knowing where our adjunct customers, you know, if you're looking at those sort of the Venn diagram of where of our customer base knowing that a lot of those customers are in fact, craft beverage tourists. We want to make sure that we capture their interest and introduce them to another experience, another reason to come here and stay.
0: Yeah. I like that. I mean, amongst the, the figuring out your customer, if you market to everybody, you market to nobody, you know, you got, you got to kind of like have your niche where you figure it out. And then that kind of starts to bleed out into different areas and different kind of people. And, it's it's a smart way to do it and um definitely a unique thing i don't know many arcades that have more than like one or two ciders and they're probably a can you know they don't have them on tap so that's definitely one thing that you guys are, are very unique about the last question i had for you uh we mentioned it before you guys both used to be in portland you guys moved from portland what kind of influence on uh on your just your whole journey here did ground control have like did that kind of propel you forward into being like, you know what? I would love to own an arcade or I would love to, to work with an arcade. Um, yeah. So like I had my uh,
1: bachelor party at Ground Control. So, I mean, like, I really like Ground Control. And, and I, I think I don't know if we were recording this, but we were talking about how we, were, you know, both knew of Ground Control before, at their, before they were at their current location. So I remember when they were on Burnside and you'd go in and it was like they had a row a couple rows of arcade games I don't really remember any pinball but they had a couple like display counters Mm -hmm. of old retro systems and it was it was fun you go in there but it was nothing like the way it is now um and they've been in their current space for quite a few years Mm -hmm. I mean like I'm not sure it's like 20 years or what it's been a long time. time and um so I would go there for sure and really you know absorb just I love going into little nooks and finding like oh this is a cool spot and like I like sort of just the layout that they have I mean they're like they're amazing and I remember when they started adding drinks too like hard liquor um so there's def I mean definitely an influence in that perspective that I'm really I lived in Portland for 15 years and that was one of the places but to be fair I also went to places to play pinball that were dive bars all the time that were and that's really where I was at like I was going to pinball places on the was that pinball map or pin map I can't remember the website and I would just find like oh here's a new game let's go check that out and so we were going to like dive bars all the time quarter world opened which was also a big pinball collection um and then of course another one that's close to us is next level and those guys are phenomenal um they've been really great for us as well but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good like arcade support here in the Northwest and also really great players. Like people are really passionate. Um, but for me, like I just want to say this, like I've I've always sort of thought how cool would it be to have an arcade because I I do think about like, you know, rolling into my first arcades when I was a kid and he mentioned Dragon's Lair and I remember that and like paying like a dollar for a game or more. I think it was like more and that was like it uh anyway you know just going through those arcades um in 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 some ways there was one arcade that I would go to uh where I've tried to specifically collect certain games from that place that no one even has they're like what is the deal why do you like this game so much and I'm like oh because it was in my childhood arcade like one of the ones that I just restored recently was time killers by Strata and it's of course not like that amazing of a game but it was cool because at the time you had Street Fighter 2, you had Mortal Kombat, um, I think it was before Killer Instinct, and then Time Killers showed up, and it was like, it's, uh, it was weird. Anyway, point is is um, they definitely have, I think I'm inspired by all kinds of different things, but Ground Control kicks ass, you know, you can't say anything bad about them.
2: No, it's true. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I, like you spoke before, before you were recording, the. you they kind of help they help validate obviously how how deep you can go and yes they i mean at that time that they and i remember location number one you know at that time they were really hitting into the context portland in the 90s and the early odds i mean it was ripe for this and um it just it, it hit all the right marks but to be able to sustain that as Portland has evolved pretty dramatically over the decades, um, you know I got to Portland in '97 and it's changed dramatically. And they've evolved, and they're still relevant, as relevant as ever. And that is because they they determined how they could stick to a really good formula and stay true to what to what their vision was for it so you you really have to look to those places yeah they validate it they're fantastic you, you're inspired by them you know it's that and
1: that, you, yeah, yeah, go ahead I I just thought of this like uh when you're outside they have the those it's like sort of like a assortment of arcade sound effects they're mm-hmm. playing right on the sidewalk oh yeah and that's actually pretty cool as far as like pulling you in and you also always know that really like their games are well maintained Mm-hmm. they're you kind of you know you're going in there and like i mean really they're always going to be either working they're, they're you're going to have a good selection of working games and they're well maintained like yeah. always
2: oh that's so key and we definitely hear that a lot from from passengers here on galactics you know they that's key people have been to arcades where machines are not maintained they are not clean let alone maintained and the you know, out of order sign is on half of them. It's like, you can't operate a business that way. You have to be ready. If you're going to get into this business, you've got to be ready to deal with the fact that yeah. stuff goes in. Like oh oh man. man. When
1: we first opened uh, and we put our games out here, like I had been going through them and like, you know, re- restoring them as much as I could. And when we first opened, they were starting to just pop, like just different things happening. And it was stressing me out so much. I started to think I, maybe we made a mistake. I was like, this is killing my time. as far as like, uh, what do I do? And, but, um, a friend of mine, um, this guy, Terry actually was up, he's a collector of pinball games and arcade games. And he was like, dude, don't stress about it. He's like, you're doing the best you can. People know, but to me, like, I, um, really obsess hard if a game is down. Like, so, uh, one of our things is that I, I basically, if I can't fix it right away, I swap it. With another working game and get it going as soon as possible because oh, yeah. i don't want people to see our out of order signs if we can handle it. we don't have that many games 40 games but uh, yeah. yeah you gotta hit all those marks
2: and just again it's part of the experience right if you're always thinking of your customer experience if that drives everything it certainly drives so much decision making um and yeah the the functioning games actually and you know full and well that when you have a lot of retro games especially you've just increased your risk and subsequently your maintenance burden but there's a you know trade-off for draw and things like that so um yeah I think you know ground control is awesome too because they're not necessarily themed right it's it's an immersion bar but you're immersed kind of in the world of arcade at its most kind of pure aesthetic, and so it's it's very unique in that regard. They have
1: really um, awesome title selection too, like for their space. And mm-hmm. I like the multi-level. I, I'm I've always like multi-level places right. anyway, but it
2: feels and see yeah. that's the thing about independent arcades is that you know these are curated if it's done well, right? Mm-hmm. If a place is done well, it's curated, and curation is an active thing right it's not a oh i chose a great selection it's like no i am constantly choosing how to do this you know it's not just when you go into a dave and busters you know that there's choices were made that are entirely revenue driven
1: you're going to get your food ninja (laughs)
2: sorry (laughs) exactly everything it's just (laughs) it's revenue driven you know yeah what is the shiny thing that's going to just pull the dollars and we're we're trying to balance that in an immersion experience like this. We're trying to say you're here for a lot of different reasons, and you're you're potentially a lot of different customers. And we want to try to we want to try to hook a little bit onto everyone. We want to immerse them in our environment, and then know that yeah, they they might actually find the thing here that maybe really hooks them. Like yeah, you're in Astoria. Guess what? Marcus has a Nintendo Red Tent back here that happens to have the Goonies on it. So, yeah, you can actually play that here and you might not find that a, you know, anywhere else. So um, that's it, it's just a hard part of the business, but um, I think it, it makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you you mentioned a lot of things that, that made me think Indies kind of fall in as like a pro and a con there. You're, you're saying the earnings, Dave & Buster's actually has an equation on like how they place games like square footage to earnings so yes that is a thing um but uh like an indie game may not earn super super well for you in the beginning but it sets you apart you know it's such a unique game that you're probably not going to find anywhere else in the state if not anywhere else in the entire coast right or the whole midwest like it's it's gonna be something very unique that'll draw people in and, and it makes money over time but it also has almost no fixing overhead like we we've had a, that game that i mentioned down in in florida that we have in uh glitch bar we replaced one joystick in three and a half years that's yeah, all that's right. gone ring with it so it's like yeah. they know they're gonna put the game out run it all day every day and it's gonna be good so that's that's a benefit um huge yeah i i i love everything you guys are saying it it totally resonates it makes a lot of sense that's all that i had for you guys for questions i want you to just shout out social medias, anything whether it be the cidery or the the arcade just. Shout them out. I'll throw them in the description, but I just want to hear from you guys. Social media shout outs.
1: Um, Our website is thegalactics.com with an X. Uh, Facebook, I think it's just like Facebook. Yeah. The Galactics. Yeah. The Galactics. Instagram, same thing. The Galactics. The Galactics. Um, Fortuneandglory.com.
2: Uh, it's fg cider fg cider.com that's
1: our
2: that's our website if and all you, of our social medias are astoria cider because yeah easy
1: and if you come out here to astoria please visit fortune and glory um please visit galactics also please visit gizmo's arcade and eatery oh which gosh. is like another arcade that's up about three blocks down it's
2: fantastic
1: he goes there all the time and eats their hot dogs they have a great veggie um, and they, dog. I can't, yeah. yeah and so like we you know we want to make sure that and oh and also the maritime is right here and they've got like uh yeah, 12 t- 13 pinball games up there and they they focused on newer games too so they get re- and some older ones and anyway. it's like bars so you know we kind of have yeah. this interesting strata here it's like mm-hmm. if you if you're here with with
2: small kids and want to have a, a good time in a kind of a, a classic retro feel go to gizmos Yeah, you can come to Galactics where, yeah, you can have people underage here as well, but it's definitely a tap house experience kind of a thing. And then if you, you know, you're not with any kids and you just want to go to a bar, have a mixed drink, play Mm -hmm. some pinball, you hit the merry time.
1: If you like games, this is actually a good little Mecca. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: And then if you're, you know, if you are a, a retro person, of course and you love things from the 80s there's plenty to hit here you got to see oh, yeah. the short circuit house short Richard's circuit house amazing you collection. can stay
1: at the short circuit house which yeah. i don't i'll maybe i'll get you the link joe but it's the, mm-hmm. there's an airbnb for it and uh, now the new goonies house owner goonies. is
2: very uh open to people coming mm-hmm. up for photo ops and things so you know it's, it's a great place to
1: kindergarten play. cop school of course you can just absolutely. look at it that's all you can do there
2: yeah they're actually in session so stay away a yeah, weird.
1: don't be creepy and take pictures of kids
2: but schools there
0: yeah awesome well i'm going to throw those links in the description uh, so everybody can check it out i want to say thank you guys for coming on i really appreciate your time chatting about the arcade game cider all that fun stuff and if you're still watching don't forget to like share and subscribe it helps us a ton the way we'll continue to grow we'll all ride it together And we got the t shirts and the cabinets at galacticbattleground.com. The link is in the description. But until next time, peace.
2: Thanks, Joe. Bye.